0: Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast, the podcast that will help you embrace, grow, and be transformed by the transitions of life. Now, here's your host, Debbie Ronka. Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Well, today's topic is going to be a tender one, but it's a conversation that I believe we need to have so we can learn and understand more about the impact of the father-child relationship. If this relationship is not healthy, or even if it's non-existent, there are just ramifications and ripple effects that happen and leave an imprint on the heart, soul, and spirit of a child, and ultimately will transcend and be carried into our adult life. Well, my guest today is Gigi Denard and Gigi's personal journey began with a pivotal moment in her life when she met her father at age 17. Well, this encounter just sparked a lifelong passion within her to both understand and to foster healthy father-child relationships. In fact, this has become her professional signature. In her professional journey, she has held leading roles in multinational corporations and has trained thousands of professionals for the past 20 years. As a National Merit Scholar, Gigi holds a BA in print journalism from Howard University and a JD from Stanford Law School. She's also authored four acclaimed books where she explores themes about healing the father-child relationship, unleashing personal and professional greatness and the pursuit of passion. Well, Gigi, I am so honored to have you here with me today. And thank you for being with me on the Transition Bridge Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I am so delighted to be here, Debbie. This is truly an honor.
0: Uh, well, I just know it's gonna be a blessing to our audience. This is a topic I think is just so important. Uh, we need to discuss it. We need to hear. And I believe just hearing your personal journey, we're going to gain so much insight. So thank you for being with us. And I guess you you met your father. Was that for the first time at age seven? That 17? was for the
1: first time, yes, at, at 17. So. Um, I think there was a, apparently, he saw me for the first time when I was six months old. But of course, I have no recollection of that. And he and my mother only stayed together for six months after that. So, um, yeah, I was a honeymoon baby. I know that. Um, But my mother left my father. um, Different kind of story than often happens. My mother Uh left my dad when she was six months pregnant. With you? With me. Oh, my. Okay. And uh, then uh, he came and rescued us temporarily, a momentarily, I guess, uh, when I was six months old. So after I met him, I discovered that I kind of didn't get it for a while. He'd said it several times, but it didn't really click. And then he said something like, oh, yeah, I remember holding you for the first time. And I knew it was like later. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. How did How did that happen? Like, what no. happened to him? So yeah, so he came to. Uh, they were living in New Jersey, I believe, at the time, and he came and collected me and my mother, and they were together again. And then she left him again permanently, uh,
0: six months later. Oh my, you've been through a lot. <laughs> yeah, oh
1: yeah, my. and I've you know learned some other things about how that affected her and how the her experience affected me in the womb and all that kind of stuff, but. I won't, I won't digress.
0: <laughs> well, no, we, we can talk about that later. So I yeah. have this question for you. So I can only imagine, you know, growing up without your father being present, just any of us in life, if there's a, a wound or some, you know, an emotional thing that maybe we don't even want to surface, we want to protect and kind of live our life, putting a guard up over our heart, maybe protecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. When you met your father, for the first time, do you remember any of the emotions that came out or was oh, yeah. did something yeah. surprise you?
1: Um it was it was surprising but in a relieving kind of way. So um so let me first say that even though I did not know my father, somehow inside I was I knew that I knew I was like a daddy's girl.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: I had this, this heart connection to my father that I could not explain because I did not know him. But I was absolutely certain that he loved me and cherished me. So even when elementary school, I remember I would when I um, got to school age, my mom changed my last name from his name to her maiden name. Okay, and okay. so in school, which is Denard, but but I knew my father's last name was Deadweiler. So I remember even in elementary school, I would like doodle his name, um, just Deadweiler, you know, and I kind of daydreamed, you know, about my father a lot. Um, My mother didn't really talk about him when she did. It wasn't you know, she never said anything negative. Um, Periodically, she would say things. Things I would do that would kind of freak her out because they would be mannerisms of his, which of course I could not have learned.
0: Oh, Um, yeah, 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 that does happen. Yeah, that is kind of freaky,
1: yeah, yeah. So she would kind of pause and go, Oh, that's that's crazy, you do that just like your father, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Um, so that make you feel more connected to him when you realize you had some of his mannerisms. I don't. I don't think I was
1: consciously thinking that. Okay. It may have been a, an effect, but but not consciously. I think I was always, you know, I did ask questions and it was so unclear about why she left him. Like there were none of the flags that one would normally think. And um, so it was more perplexing, kind of like you, I've asked all the major things and you've said no to all of them. So I don't really understand why we're in this situation. Um, so, and I think around 10, about 10, I asked a question about him. She snapped at me. Now in hindsight, it's a good possibility. She was just having a bad day. But at that time I took it as this is not a subject to bring up. So I stopped asking like anything about him from age 10.
0: Was your mother remarried at this point or? No, she never remarried. Okay. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So when I met him, the flood of, yeah, it was flood of emotions and thoughts. And, you know, she had always said that you have a Dick Tracy head like your dad. And I remember looking at him. Uh, he had come to our apartment. I was actually asleep when he got there because he was late which learned it turned out to be a signature. So <laughs> it was late and I had fallen asleep, probably just anxiety. And uh, when I stumbled out, cause I heard a man's voice in the living room and I looked up and I was like, wow, I do have, my head is shaped like his. And then, <laughs> and then I was remember like, we have the exact same eyes. Like that
0: was really, oh.
1: yeah. I remember thinking that like, wow, my eyes are exactly like his. Wait a and minute. I
0: have to stop right here. Was this a planned visit? Like did this you... was a
1: planned visit. Oh, okay. I haven't told you the story. Yeah. How, okay. So how did, so that how did we get to this? Okay. So this gets very interesting. My mother's sister, younger sister, was married to my father's first cousin. Oh my. Okay. And this first cousin and my dad actually kind of grew up in the same house together. So they were had been very close as kids. So my mother and my dad met when she escorted her sister to a funeral of like their grandfather or something. So yeah. So they met, uh, apparently love at first light or something. They wrote letters for several months. She went back for his ordination. He was studying to become a minister at that point. She came back, they wrote letters. The next time he saw her was when he came to Florida for the wedding. Oh my. Yeah. So (laughs) let's begin there. So in the meantime, fast forward at 14, more just just absolutely divine sort of things happening. I'm sitting at my aunt's house, the one that's married to my dad's first cousin, And uh, out of nowhere, I say, you know, I always wanted a brother named Ricky and a brother named Mickey. Hmm. Exactly. And (laughs) my aunt sort of blanched, which I found odd. And then her face kind of changed to this, like, resignation, like, I don't care. I was like, okay, that was all very strange. And then she goes, she takes a deep breath and she goes, well... You do have a brother named Ricky, and you have a sister named Mickey. <gasps> exactly. Oh, exactly. Word, and that was kind of how I felt about it. <laughs> oh my right gosh! Oh like gosh. you have oh got to be kidding me! And at that point, she decided to introduce by phone introduce me to my paternal grandfather, my dad's dad. Oh, because it was also my cousin's grandfather. Okay. So we started having these clandestine calls with me and my paternal grandfather, Daddy Ed. Aww. Just us knew nobody else knew. we didn't tell anybody else. Oh my because nobody thought my mother would be happy with this so right a secret. So that happened for two and a half years until one day I braved it and decided to ask my mother if I could invite my father. To my high school graduation.
0: Oh. Big moment yeah. in your life. Yeah. Big moment.
1: Yes. Terrified, had no idea what was gonna come out, and uh said it really fast. <laughs> um, and she said, you know, she kind of paused, looked slightly perplexed, and then she said, I don't I don't care if you can find him. So it was kind of like, Yeah, you're on your own with that, but if you come up with something fine, <laughs> kind of thing. So I had a plan. The plan was, I'm going to send it to my grandfather, of who course. will forward it to my dad, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't know I have this other connection. <laughs> connection, exactly. Which is what I did. But what I did not know was that actually my grandfather and my dad were not on speaking terms.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh. the thing is,
1: but he did, despite that, he did go ahead and forward it. So my father actually got the invitation the night before my graduation. He had just left from speaking like an hour from where we lived. He had no idea where we were and I didn't know where he lived. So Mm
0: -hmm. he was back
1: in Georgia and we were in South Florida. So he called. That was actually probably even more overwhelming than meeting him.
0: Oh, yeah, because yeah, you don't him. have a face.
1: You just have I a voice. I don't have anything. And 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 when he called, I didn't know who it was. You know, mm-hmm. he called and asked to speak to K or Gigi. And I said, this is Gigi. And I'm thinking, I don't know this guy's voice. And then he says, this is Mr. Deadweiler. So now I'm kind of getting bl- butterflies because I know this is not Dad Ed's voice. I've been talking to him, you know. So I yeah. go, which Mr. Deadweiler?
0: Oh, good question.
1: Yeah. And then he pauses. And then he says, This is Bobby. This is your father. Oh my word. At which point I just lost it. I could not speak. Tears just started streaming down my face. And I, for probably for the first time in my life, could not talk. So he's on the other end going, Gigi, Gigi. And I literally cannot speak (gasps) so now i panic because i think he's gonna hang up (laughs) right i'm thinking that too right (laughs) so i freak more and then i try to go find my mother so the the apartment's packed because my graduation is the next day we just came from my brother's graduation the day before up in north florida now everybody's in south florida packed i'm like running through the house looking for my mom with those cordless phones and uh trying to get her attention, she's talking to somebody, she's ignoring me. So I like have to tug, you know, and she looks down, she sees tears. Right. And said so that freaks her out. And she's like, gee, what is it? You know, and I just shoved the phone. Cause I still oh, can't. Oh, you gave it to your mother. Oh my yeah, gosh. I, I couldn't speak. I mean, I right. literally, it was oh. like there was something locked I could not yeah. speak. So she gets the phone and she's like, Hello. And then I hear her say, Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's just a little overwhelmed. <laughs> oh. And uh, so she puts her arm around me. We walk into a room and I remember slipping out from underneath her arm and just lying down crying. And I don't remember anything, like nothing. I don't remember my graduation. I don't remember anything between that call and when I met him two months later.
0: Oh, my goodness. You just kind of went numb.
1: It took everything. (laughs) I don't don't remember my graduation like at all. I don't remember being there. I don't remember anything.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) That that was an impact. My gosh. Yeah. And so he came that July.
0: Did he come to your graduation?
1: No, he couldn't because he had just found out like the night before he just got back home. OK. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he came in July and that was the first time we met. And I was still I was much more apprehensive about my mom and her response.
0: OK. Um,
1: I mean, I, I don't know. I just knew he and I would be OK, but I wasn't sure how she would treat him. So I was very uncomfortable you know, kind of throughout dinner thinking that any minute now she's going to say something hurt his feelings and I'm going to be sad, you know, just right. all of this is kind of churning on the inside. Um, but nothing happened. It was actually very pleasant and we had dinner and then the three of us hang out for a while and then about 11 o'clock, she goes, okay, well, I'm going to leave you two at it. She goes to bed and he and I stayed up and played chess and talked till four o'clock in the morning. Oh, you play <laughs> chess of all things. Yeah, we <laughs> you both, both like obviously it. like chess. That's yes.
0: incredible.
1: So that's what I discovered that I am. You know, as much as I looked just like my mother, I am so much my father's style. Like I am way, 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 way more like him. So the relief was that I had always felt very displaced. Mm-hmm. Because even though I really did look like my mother, I was so much not like my mother. It was like, this doesn't even make sense. How can this person possibly be my mother? Okay. And yeah. and because I didn't have
0: anything else to work with. Sure, you didn't have a comparison. Right. or yeah, anything, yeah.
1: Right. So it filled in so many holes for me. You know, meeting my dad, it was like, wow, okay. This is really crazy that I'm this much like him. And we found out that we write alike. Oh, like how? Like he had written a play and some other, you know, work. And when I read it, I was like, oh my God, I could have written this, you know, just stylistically. Yes, yes. So much alike. And uh, so that was a bond and that sort of kind of began the planted the seed for the ministry of all of this. At some point, we decided to write our story together. Oh, how beautiful is that? Oh. Yeah. And that's really where this whole hunger for wholeness ministry got born from our beginning to tell our story. And then it expanded. But yeah, it was, it was very, very, <laughs> it was very, very dramatic and impactful beginning for sure.
0: <laughs> oh my, did he have, I, I'm probably asking a very personal question, but did he have a reason why, um, it was 17 years before he got to see you again.
1: Oh yeah, it was all my mom.
0: They okay. I mean, my
1: mom forbade him to see me.
0: Oh. And because of her personality,
1: everybody was scared, so nobody interfered. Even her even this cousin that was like his brother, he would try to get information from him about my whereabouts. And uh, he was like, you know, look man, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm not oh. getting in that.
0: You know yeah. that, what do they call that? Parental alienation? Yes. When one parent yeah. keeps the other. Yeah. And and again, the struggles, you know, for the children as a result. Of course.
1: Yeah. All kinds of
0: struggles for both sides of that fence. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the emotions that came up, I, yeah. I don't know, can, can you share some of the emotions, you know, because there may be, you know, somebody, when I met him, no, when no, you were no. growing up without Adam, no, no. I know you had yeah. shared that you felt connected with him, but was yeah. there a sense of rejection, abandonment? Like, were there, cause not for those particular things. Now I know that that happens a lot with a lot of right.
1: people, yeah. but for me, one, because I didn't know the outline of the story. Okay, I knew that my mother had left him and okay. I knew that she had forbidden him to see me.
0: And okay after, so that information helps
1: helped and yeah. also when i had asked the list of questions like did he hit you did he cheat on you did he steal from you and the answer to all of those questions were no then it was like okay i have no idea what's going on here but i have no reason to be mad at this man
0: you know that i don't even know what the heck happened right you really had a mature outlook on that I when <laughs> looking back you know you didn't blame your father Not,
1: no, again, but I think having those story pieces helped.
0: Yeah, it really did. I think having those
1: story pieces helped quite a bit. And um, so, but I did feel a loss. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there was more of a sadness. Um, You know, I really missed him a lot. And I remember an experience that, that actually kind of shocked me. My mother had one boyfriend that I really liked
0: because mm-hmm.
1: I felt like he genuinely liked me.
0: Right. Know, he would hang
1: out with me, talk with me, feed my dog, take me down to the wharf, buy me fish, you know, stuff like that. And we were very close and I liked him a lot. And I was about 13, I think. And one day he called me daughter. <gasps> and I got so
0: angry. Oh, interesting.
1: Yes. I was actually surprised at my reaction. I got very, very angry. I was surprised it surprised him. I didn't talk to him for a long time after that. He was hurt, I knew, but I didn't know how to fix it. And I couldn't even explain at the moment why. Um, Freshman year, sophomore year in college, one of those years, our professor asked, I was a journalism major, and we were tasked to write something. And I don't remember what the assignment was, but what came out of it was a piece I wrote called Shoes Too Empty to Fill.
0: Oh my, uh, that name says it all. Yes. That title, yeah. And I
1: realized that it felt like he was trying to take my father's place. And I refused to allow anybody to do that until I had a chance my father to fill
0: those shoes himself that makes total sense and as you're sharing that that's just a I guess a spiritual principle of wounds yes. that yes. even though you were older that child wound in your heart regarding your father was triggered or yes. like it just it woke it up
1: Yeah, woke it up
0: and, and and it hurt and uh and by I'm really glad that you shared that because you you, you, even yourself, you were surprised and you're thinking, yes. why is this coming out? But that's yeah. a perfect example of like yeah. what happens with all of us, things that are unhealed or yes. even recognized, you know, and given a voice to yes. a, a simple question. Or if somebody says a word and it's just like it, it hits us. And, <gasps> yeah. But, you know, I believe that we're allowed to have that come up so we can recognize it. Of course, and find that healing, but it does hurt, yeah, oh my gosh and
1: and and because I wasn't really ready yet,
0: you know, right. I, I stayed in that
1: place for a while for quite a while of just being confused about why I was angry. but I i I was amazed at how protective I was of that father that I didn't know. That is amazing. That and, is amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a very very strong visceral reaction. So um you know meeting my father began a healing journey. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for people to understand that it is a journey. It is not an event. It is not a one and done.
0: Right. It's not like you Mm -hmm. meet them and then you're okay. No, you have a lot of questions and a lot of emotions. And I'm sure your father did too.
1: Oh, for sure. And a lot of habits, maybe, that you've developed. You know, unfortunately, as many teenage girls do who grow up without a father, that led me to looking for love in all the wrong places. Right. I ended up in relationships with guys that were seven to 14 years my senior.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah,
1: that's how it went. And and so even though when I met my father, I was fairly early in dating, this pattern had established to some degree.
0: Mm-hmm. So that
1: didn't even go away right away. Even after I met my dad, I still ended up through college dating guys that were 7 to 14 years my senior.
0: That's incredible and i understand that because you're yeah. looking for that love that of um, affirmation you know that you just don't get you
1: know that often young guys don't know how to give you anyway you know what i'm right. saying
0: right right <laughs> they don't know affirmations yeah. not on their mind no. right <laughs> exactly <laughs> so let me ask yeah. you this question and I, and I love that you have started this ministry and this program you know and you're you are really focused on fostering these healthy relationships so my question would be you know because i want to learn as well and for anyone who's listening who may have some of these symptoms or emotions that are untouched or like Mm -hmm. you know maybe they're there your story was a little different in that your mother left your father Mm -hmm. um which had its whole ramification of emotions and, and things what what typically are some of the things that with people that you work with mm-hmm. are, are the, the struggles that present themselves um, when, when someone doesn't, when they don't grow up with a father, what are the, some of the things they grow up with? Like, is it the longing, the abandonment, the rejection? A lot
1: of people do feel abandoned. Um, uh, that's very common for mm-hmm. people to feel abandoned and feel rejected which they they then frequently creates a fear. So a lot okay. of these things turn into fears as we get older. Um I know so many people, I've talked, had so many conversations um with both men and women who felt abandoned by their fathers and therefore, fear abandonment yes they fear abandonment in all kinds of relationships like it just follows them this is what we take
0: into our adult lives right because and so then we because we were abandoned by our father we think everyone else is going to leave us yes yes
1: and so that's extremely common and so it's and 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 then you You can end up being in a situation where you either repeat it, you actually find someone who is going to fulfill that prophecy,
0: Mm -hmm. that self
1: fulfilling process, and get abandoned again and again and again, and you end up in this cycle, Mm -hmm. or you kind of flip the other way and you're just so holding on and tenacious that you're sucking the life out of any relationship that you've ever had because you're not going to ever let
0: this one go kind of thing. Yeah. It kind of works against you then.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You become so they're, almost you know, needy, this, almost yes. like a very needy person. Very
1: needy. Um, sometimes it produces a great deal of timidity in people. Okay. Um, because fathers are intended to help develop our identity and affirm who we are, in this mm-hmm. world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If that is missing and that has not happened, uh, sometimes people describe it as feeling very uncovered, mm. they feel unprotected, and that can create timidity on the one end, or very, very <laughs> strong self-protection on the other end. Where people become very defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, and and very aggressive almost in order to protect themselves because they have felt unprotected.
0: It is amazing how the thread, you can follow the thread to how the person, the adult is living life, how we show up, how we act and behave. There's always like, if you can follow that thread to the root, it really gives some insight. So you use the word missing. So my question is, when the father is not present, can you tell us some of the things that are missing in the child's relationship that should be there?
1: Okay, so um, one of the things is, you know, the father is supposed to be the representative of God to the child.
0: That's true.
1: And so, so one of the things is missing is spiritual guidance and leadership. True. Um, And in a way that creates a healthy concept of who God is. Yes. So that's one thing that that ends up missing for sure. Um, And I think I was trying to say, there's, I forget the name of the book, but there's a book um, that I read a long time ago by Josh McDowell, where he talks about that every human being has three fundamental needs love, acceptance, and security, that we're like a three-legged stool. And if either one of those legs is missing, then we're a broken stool. Mm. And so with a father being missing, how we receive love, acceptance, and security or how we perceive that is warped at best.
0: I could understand that. Wow. That's a great way to explain that. And so,
1: so we just, we end up, you know, kids find a way to cope. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, but we do it in ways without guidance and understanding, you know, and so we either, we either have a really warped idea of what love should look like. Um, we, you know, I have met people who have been abused by a father. so there there's the whole, you know, sometimes absent is one thing, then there's somebody there who is abusive or even apathetic. and so there are wounds on all of these trucks, right, right. And um, so you know, I have I but I have met people, um, along the journey, who have who are abused as a child by their father, and actually had no idea until maybe socialization at junior high school to find out that that was not happening in everybody else's house.
0: Oh, that is so true
1: because the poor. It's it's normal to you, right? Mm-hmm. This is what you know. This is what you. And so, because kids have this natural yearning to love a parent you love the parent despite this abuse right and so you identify this love from this parent with all this stuff attached to it
0: Mm -hmm. and it gets distorted
1: it gets distorted completely gets distorted um so whenever you know when you don't you know so many people to this day as adults are insecure because they never got that security need met from their father as a child. Um, Somewhere in them, they constantly feel vulnerable.
0: Mm, I could see that. I could see that. So
1: that can lead to just, you know, people... Often become fearful of committing to relationships, or you know, fearful of intimacy of any kind, or you know, makes it hard for them to interact with people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even in a workplace, um, because they they don't know how to trust. Right. You know, even big when...
0: gaps of trust. <laughs> In Big gaps of trust. And, and that was mm-hmm. one of my questions because yes. ultimately society is affected.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the statistics, now you can find them, you know, that, you know, 85% of everybody in prison has come from a fatherless home. Oh, 85%?
0: Yeah. Yeah. 85%.
1: You know, and, and the, the, I think girls that grew up without a father are 25% more likely to become mothers out of wedlock.
0: I thought it would have been higher than that. Okay. Yeah. But still um, that's a big number. That's a big number. <laughs> that's a big number. <laughs> that's a big number. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, and so there, there are all kinds of, you know, statistics about, you know, success in school. I could, you know, academic success or just healthy, healthy relationships, you know, and that kind of thing that you can trace back, you know, to either the absence of a father or a very wounding kind of father experience um, that because, unfortunately, I think one of the things that happens, particularly in society, in American society in particular today, in most Western culture is that we become really good at being pretentious.
0: Yes. We cover up, we cover up, we pose, Mm
1: -hmm. we pose. That's right. And so, you know, on people walk around wounded and are posting like all these things online, like, you know, I'm living the life that I've always dreamed of kind of thing and, and are hurting. You know, and so that's why so many people can end up being what looks like a success in the natural and still committing suicide or,
0: you know, right.
1: ending up a divorce or, you know, abandoning their, their own kids or whatever, because they haven't really dealt with and, and gotten healed that woundedness, which just keeps transcending into very sundry kinds of relationships. Well, you know, the boy who doesn't, you know, a boy that grows up and sees his father abusing his mother and the kids in the house, you know, it is not uncommon that that same boy becomes a young man who has major issues with authority at the workplace. Yes, I could see that. Yeah, major issues with authority of a pastor, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, because that hasn't been worked out,
0: <laughs> right? And, and they don't see Christ, the people, connection. No,
1: people don't see the connection.
0: Mm-mm.
1: And I think that's my real heart. You know, I I call what I do helping people jumpstart their journey. Oh, I love it. Yeah, tell us so, what you do. Tell and us. it begins by recognition. So I do a workshop. Okay. A called "Hungry for Wholeness," a call to restore healing and. Uh, a, a calling to pursue healing and restoration in your father-child relationship, and and the way the book got born. I was saying that my dad and I decided to write our story together. So That's at first, powerful. it just was just me and my dad, just because we wanted to for mm-hmm. ourselves. We wanted to, and we thought it would be cool because we write so much alike. How we could infuse it, you know? Yeah. Over So we did that, but then I ended up sharing it with some people. You know, I shared it with a roommate I had, who then had me read some of it in her class. She was a professor at Berkeley and uh, had me read some to her class. And suddenly, you know, there are all these young adults in this class crying. I'm like, oh, Oh. okay, something's happening here. I ended up uh, meeting a woman who was in prison ministry started talking to her because my dad had been in prison ministry, told her about the story. She asked for a copy. She read it. She was like, Ooh, ooh, ooh this is so good. And I take it with me to the prison. I said, Oh yeah, by all means, please. You know, my, actually, my father came to faith in prison. So that's a whole nother story.
0: Oh gosh.
1: So yeah. So, so we tell all of this in the book, you know, in the book. So, but at that point it was just his story and my story. And then I came back to DC to visit a professor who had been kind of like a surrogate father at school. And we were just talking and I had shared it with him. And he said, you know, if you got like, you know, some other people's stories and added this in here, this could be a really powerful book. It was really his idea. And he's I said, Huh. Okay. I'll think about that. But I really there was no like urge to write the book or anything. And so it took about 10 years for the Lord to bake that in me. (laughs) and then suddenly (laughs) suddenly it was a commission like I was absolutely yes this was a book that I needed to write that needed to be written
0: absolutely
1: I was like okay so now the book contains the story of ours plus six other daughters sons and fathers and uh tells all of our stories and they're all different and I thought that was important, you know, that yes. we all get like different stories to tell. Um, even absences for different reasons, all of that kind of stuff. Right. And um, what each person experienced, because it does look different, particularly looks different between men and women, and also just you know, all kinds of other reasons it can look different. Um, but then that that the book came out in the spring, and that summer. I received a message from the founder of the National Center for Fathering. Who awesome. I had, yeah, that was a whole nother story. Ooh. That was completely the Lord moved. That's all I can wow, say. That's huge. Me. Otherwise, it makes no sense. He endorsed the book. We had never met. He endorsed the book. Yeah, that was crazy. Oh my. The Lord worked that out. It was really crazy. But he and I kept in touch. And then suddenly that summer, he was like, there's this conference you need to be a speaker at this conference. I've already told the pastor who's running the conference. So he's going to be reaching out. (laughs) And uh, so I ended up going to this conference in Portland. It was the inaugural conference for what's called the Fathership Conference. Okay. And it's to address fatherlessness, especially in the church. And I... I had no idea what God was about to do. So I get up there. I'm nervous because I'm thinking, "Oh my God, they gave me 45 minutes. Lord, what am I going to say for 45 minutes? Really?" And uh, it felt like such a long time, you know.
0: Yeah. Not I did only did I,
1: I, I talked for at least 75, and they had to like get me off the stage, and and they were still not happy. And it was it was an audience of 400. Oh my. So, Church sanctuaries packed out. They had brought in extra chairs. And I could feel the impact in the room. Oh. Um, it was pretty amazing and incredible. I barely know what I said. Clearly, the Lord took over. <laughs> and um, but I that was the first time that I knew that I knew that I knew I was born to do this, this right here. Yes. Uh I felt it in that moment. And, um, when I got off the stage, finally we prayed over people afterwards. And then, uh, I'm supposed to go sign books. I bought books, all the books sold out, but I never got to sign any because I couldn't get out of the sanctuary. People just thronged me.
0: Oh, that just goes to to show you the need,
1: the hurt. The need need was so so big, so big. big. And their main only complaint was that it was way too short, even though I way gone over my time.
0: So that when I
1: came back four years later, by then I'd also developed a workshop. So I came back, uh, four years to the next time I was at that conference. Um, I, again, was the inaugural speaker on Thursday night. And then on Saturday I also did the workshop. Well, that was interesting because there were whole lots of workshops and the conference didn't have quite as many people, maybe like a couple hundred. Okay. And, uh, so I thought, okay, you know, I'm I'm picturing round of 12 because there were so many workshops people got to pick, you know, nice. and they were current. So it was like 12 workshops. So, okay, maybe I'll get 12, 15 people. We'll sit in the circle. I had this whole thing planned out of how we were going to do it. <laughs> and I'm looking for my room and I can't find my room. And I asked the lady who's helping. I'm like, uh, where's my room? And she said, oh too many people signed up for yours. So we had to put you back in the sanctuary. I was oh like,
0: my goodness. Okay. Now, you know, you're doing the right thing. You are, I'm you like, are walking what? in your calling wow. in the
1: world. Although that was very, very not something that I could do in a circle at that point. Cause that right. was two people. So I was like, Oh wow. A
0: pivot moment.
1: <laughs> yes. Totally a pivot moment. Like Lord, you're going to really have to do this. So, so from that point, that's I started doing more workshops. I've, you know, done them in places like Job Corps or in different churches and uh, anywhere anybody will have me. And uh, mm. God, this is the size of the group and the age of the group or whatever. Um, but it's it's, I help people connect the dots because people often don't understand. They may know that there's a strained relationship they don't see how it's affecting them now.
0: Right. A lot of times they feel like
1: they're just angry or they're resentful or they may feel like, whatever, I don't care. You know, he left, I don't care. You know, all of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that people say, but they don't understand that their underlying feelings are causing them to make unhealthy decisions in the now.
0: Right. And that's a great way to describe that. We have this hole in our heart or our soul and we fill it with all the wrong things. Yes. It was meant to be filled by our fathers. Exactly. So I love, you know, I love the fact, you know, anybody who comes on here who has experienced something has been through something has always created a program or have written a book to help others who, who are walking through the same thing that they did. And I love that you did that. And I could see how God is redeeming. Yes. The thing God that the you have been through. Yes. And now you are in a place where you can have the empathy and the compassion and the understanding, cause you've been there, you've experienced yes. that. Yes. and Now you understand and hear, I mean, the unbelievable story is that you are connected with your father and you, Two of you are doing this together. That is an <laughs> incredible story. Yeah, I would love yeah. for you both to come back on because I would love to hear your father oh, go back. Sorry, and- he's actually deceased. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, you not? Yeah, dead. tell me that. Yeah, I'm so yeah,
1: sorry. sorry. Yeah, both my parents actually died oh. fairly early. Um, well, you got, six got six. to
0: reconnect. And I did. yeah. This. So it was interesting. Oh.
1: I met at 17 and we had 17 great years together.
0: Oh, thank God. Well, I'm so yes. sorry for your loss, but I'm so yes. grateful that you got the reconnection. Yes. yes. So, but these workshops sound incredible. Do you, of course, do them for the adults? Do you ever have them for like kids in their teenage years?
1: Um, Teenagers, like
0: typically I've done like
1: 18 and up.
0: Okay, that uh, would like make a sense. Core. Yeah, uh, kind of heavy. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> um, is.
1: And so, um, I I would feel probably more comfortable at least seventeen, you know, and up kind of thing. Um, when I've done it at job core, it's been interesting because a lot of them have become young parents.
0: Okay. And
1: it's an interesting flip that happens that they're not as interested yet, maybe, in the healing in their own father child relationship, but they they were keenly interested. The Lord kind of had me flip the script and talk to them as parents. And they moved from being kind of like this to on the edge of their seats.
0: Ah, uh, that's good. That's yeah,
1: so they were very, very, very interested about what could make or break them as a father or even as a mom. It was very, very interesting to sort of watch that dynamic at that age.
0: Yes, you came in on a different angle, and they were able to embrace that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's powerful. They were very interested in that. Yeah, so, so I think sometimes, sometimes in their teens and twenties you haven't tracked it enough to see that this is an ongoing problem
0: (laughs) yeah you're right they're old enough to see the pattern if you help them recognize them yeah and and I think that is almost a relief when you start realizing oh my gosh like why am I behaving the way I am and now I understand it's not really my fault Right. Um, this is what happened, that but happens. there's an answer, there's and hope, there's, an answer. there's healing. Correct, there's hope and healing. And yeah.
1: at the end of this journey, and so
0: I take them through
1: a three-part process. Okay. So it begins with recognition, recognizing both how it's affected you. So we do some kind of self-analysis. Okay. Find yourself kind of in here. What are What types of behaviors, attitudes have you seen yourself exhibiting? Let's talk about that and where that stem from. That's Let's good. Go back into your family dynamic. You know, I have them kind of write a story about their family dynamic. Um then we do kind of an identification, locate your father on this spectrum. So I look at five archetypes, the absent father, the abusive father, the apathetic father, the authoritarian father, and the accusing father. Oh, that's may have powerful. Any kind of You may have multiples in that, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, representations within that. And then we go to step two, which is repent and release is what I call it. Um, Because forgiveness is a huge part to the healing process. I take a great deal of time to explain how one forgiveness is a decision. It's not an emotion.
0: True. So you may
1: not feel it today, but that's okay. We're going to do this anyway. Um, You're Mm -hmm. going to choose to. And you're going to choose to because it's going to free you. Right. It has nothing to do with him.
0: (laughs) Right. everything to do with your
1: being free. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: And you need to be free to be healed and be whole. So we go through an exercise in that regard. And then the third step is receiving. And that is receiving God's love and receiving who God says you are. Receiving a renewed identity out of this wounded framework.
0: Oh, that's so good. You're giving them the truth of who they are. Yes. That's so beautiful.
1: And then I created a 12-week companion diary so that people can continue to kind
0: of work on it through those steps. Okay. Um, After the workshop, you know. Do you do the workshops? I know you do them in person. Do you do any online?
1: Yes. Yeah. I move kind of
0: more to an online format. That's great. You can help more people. And what is the best way for people? I'm going to have all your contact information in my show notes. But if someone's listening and wants to write something down, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Probably through my website. So it is www.wellfedresources.com. Okay. We so do forward slash healing. That will take you straight to the tab. Uh you can get the book there. You can um books there. You can uh sign up for the red you know, workshop there. Right there.
0: Oh, I just love your workshop. The whole it's such a beautiful, powerful tool to unlock all of the emotions yes. and to really give people a new beginning so they can yes. live life from a whole different lens. Really. Yes. Yes. It's so powerful what you do. So in closing, what I would love for you to do, I want you to talk to two different people. Okay. I want you to speak to the person whose father left them and what you feel they need to hear to bring them hope and encouragement. And then I want you to talk to the father who has left okay, and encourage him okay. to do what he needs to do
1: absolutely so to the person who has grown up without a father um first of all i want to encourage you that god sees and knows <laughs> mm. and that void that you've had um isn't something to be ashamed of it isn't something to be afraid of it isn't something to be avoided because it was designed to be filled. Mm-hmm. And if you it has not been filled by an earthly father, then it will be filled to overflowing with the love of a heavenly father who has loved you through all of it and sent his son to heal so that the brokenhearted could be healed. And so God really desires for you to have healing and wholeness so you can live the fullest life that he ordained for you. And to the father, again, you know, I would imagine that most of you fathers who have left your children from whatever circumstances have done so because of your own wounds. It's impossible to pour from an empty cup. And so you may not have had the resources emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, to give to your children what you may have wanted to. And you may have felt inadequate, and that probably added to your desire to not be with them. But that doesn't have to be the end of your story either. Even if you've been an abandoned father for over 30 years, I've known fathers to reconnect and to reestablish relationships with their children. But more than anything, if you have not learned God's father model, mm. then you can't really be the father that your children need. So I would encourage you to really seek that out. Find out what God calls fathers to be, how he equips them, and what they are really to provide for their children, so that if you do have an opportunity to reestablish those relationships, that you're pouring now from a full cup.
0: That's so beautiful. (coughs) Excuse me. And Gigi, I can't thank you enough for being here with us today. This is so needed. And you've shared so much valuable information. And for anyone who's listening, I just highly recommend that you reach out and connect with Gigi. If you are the adult who has grown up without that father figure in your home, and you're starting to wonder, are some of my behaviors connected to that loss or that missing piece in my childhood? Gigi's the one that can really help you connect and see that. It's worth taking the risk, it's worth taking that leap of faith to find out because there's so much sometimes in our life that hinders us and we don't understand why. And for the father, even if there's one considering leaving, please understand the impact that it will have on your children and their future and your grandchildren. It's a cycle. And so again, I would say reach out to Gigi because she has this whole program and you, you, just listening to her, you can hear, she knows, she's understands, she's been there. She's talking from a place of knowing and she has experienced the healing herself. So now she is helping others. And so this is a lifeline for you to connect with Gigi and change the per, uh, trajectory of your life by finding the healing to understand why you left. And you know, it's never too late. It's never too late because we're meant to run the race in life. And sometimes we can't run because of the burdens that we carry. And so Gigi is here to disconnect those burdens and to go deep with you. So you can find that place of wholeness and live your life from that place. And so Gigi, thank you again for being here with me and my Transition Tribe. Thank you so much for coming in each and every week. And I would just love it if you would share this episode because I just know you know someone who needs to hear this. And I want to thank you for coming each and every week. I just am so grateful for you. I appreciate you. And thank you again, Gigi, for all that you have shared. Thank you, Debbie. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today on the Transition Bridge Podcast. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed listening today, please go ahead and subscribe or review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes. And for more information about Debbie, go to DebbieRonca.com. That's D-E-B-I-R-O-N-C-A dot com.